for this Monday evening uh, with me tonight. We have another guest, but we have my co-hosts, Peter Ellison. Good evening, everyone. And Mark Canty. Hola. Now, tonight we have a guest. It's good to have a guest back again. Um, and uh, he's author, Ted Manning. Welcome, sir. Hey, how y'all doing? Yeah, man, not bad. Another American. See, we're very, we're very international right here at Geek Pride. <laughs> no relation to Peyton, as we uh, as we discovered earlier. Unfortunately, not. not. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. unfortunate. Okay, Ted. So, um, who are you? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem. So, um, I'm an author, which is absolutely insane to be able to say uh, now, just because. It's kind of been uh, a dream of mine, uh, an aspiration of mine for a very long time since I was a child. I think I was like shoot, six, five, six, five, six years old, something like that. And uh, I would just write small little stories and then, you know, draw little stick figures and, and pretend I was doing comic books. And then uh, uh, when I got older, like I, I did the same thing that a lot of kids did that were kind of into that thing. I would do uh, try to make movies with my friends and write you know, horrible screenplays and everything like that, that, that teenagers do. And then I try to go to school for it, uh, college for it to, to kind of like do screenwriting and, and try to get into film and things like that. And, um, it is horribly expensive to go to college. And, uh, after a while, uh, I was like, yep, this isn't working out. So I, uh, joined the military. Uh, I was in the U S army for a while, uh, as an infantryman, I did five years, uh, as indirect fire infantry, which is a mortarman. And um, after I got out, uh, I did a lot of different odds and uh, odd, oddball jobs. I, I worked in a prison. I worked uh, for as a, for a sheriff's uh, department. I was a sheriff's deputy for a while. And then uh, my wife and I, we have three kids, and we uh, moved on back down to Florida. And that's where we reside now. And um, uh, it was very interesting. I got connected with an individual named James Razone, who also uh, writes uh, some amazing books. I've been a fan of his stuff and I've read a lot of it. And, um, I, I had just gotten shoulder surgery and I basically said to myself, like, Hey, I, I kind of want to get back in this whole writing thing and see if I can go anywhere with it. And so maybe I should shoot this guy a, a, a message real quick, show him what I've done and, and see if he likes it. And, um, the, the medication from the shoulder surgery definitely helped with that, uh, with that, you know, thought process a little bit because it gave me the, the courage to, to, to do it. And so, uh, I went ahead and, uh, messaged him and, uh, said, Hey, you know, here's, here's a couple things that I've written before. Uh, and, uh, tell me what you think. Uh, and he enjoyed it and, uh, he enjoyed it so much so that he, like one of the things I had sent him was a science fiction short story. And he goes, well, I'm writing this new science fiction series. And uh, it'd be awesome if you could, you know, help write some of it with me. And so I think it was books four and five into the chaos and into the fire of his series where um, where I helped write uh, scenes and the scenes that I had written in those was about these characters uh, in a uh, in a uh, infantry company in a, uh, that I called Apollo Company. And um, I enjoyed writing those characters so much. And uh, he was like, you know, do you want to do your own? you know, your own series, your own spinoff series, you know, it'll be based in the universe, but it'll be those characters. And you can, you know, as long as you follow the timeline that we've created, you know, you can do basically whatever you want with it. And uh, yeah, I jumped at it, man. And 
and uh now she's we're a day away from the first book coming out and i'm i'm been shaking like because this is crazy to me like i like i i haven't published anything before uh this and I, I mean i have my name on those two other books and everything but this is the first one that i've really i've written the entire thing and um and yeah, it's just it's insane that it's about to all come to fruition and uh, tomorrow and and release and everything. And it's it's been one heck of a journey. It's been awesome. It's and it's called Cherubim's Call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Cherubim's Call. Um, it's uh, the Apollo's Arrow series. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's so it, it's basically a play on words. So um, uh, the main series that James writes is called the Rise of the Republic series, and I think the first book is called Into the Stars. And so it takes place in the same universe as that. By the time that we see Apollo Company in that main series, in the Rise of the Republic series, it, like I said, it's in book four and five. They're well deep into the war uh, and everything like that. And so what I wanted to do with Apollo's Arrow series is I wanted to take these characters I've created because by the time that we see them in the main series, they're already sergeants. They're, they're older. They're more experienced. They're veterans. And I was like, I want to take these guys that they've gotten used to. And I want to go back all the way to the beginning. And so I take these characters and I, I, the first book there, uh, we get to see them in basic training and then, uh, and then, you know, it progresses from there, but I really wanted to take these characters and bring them back to the basics, back to the beginning where they're not these, you know, strong, confident characters that they are, uh, by the time that they showed up in the main series, I wanted to take them all the way back to when they were just starting out, young bucks uh not really understanding you know the way of the world and now they're getting thrust into this uh inter-system planetary war with the alien race and so it's awesome the the reason why uh we called i, I called it cherubim's call was because um the the planet it's it, the planet itself is called new eden in, in the first book um and uh cherubim like a cherubim of angels uh basically guard the gates of eden in, in a, within the bible and so uh, that's it's basically uh, they're hearing the trumpets call. It will make sense when you read the book, but uh, but that's that's the that's the reasoning behind the title itself. So for like, and I, I, I my apologies, I've not heard of the uh, of, of James uh, Rosen um, before. So the, what what's the what's the sort of kind of background to his 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 sci-fi series? So which obviously your your um, Apollo company's in. Yeah, of course. So uh, basically, it's so it's not a far uh, future series that that you see in a lot of other um, a lot of other IPs like uh, like Halo, for instance, is like five hundred years in the future, right? Uh, this one is not. This one takes place uh, still in the uh, uh, late two thousands, uh, and um, and basically, you have what's called the Republic, uh, which is um all it, it it's north america south america uh england uh, as well as in as in it, the united kingdom australia other places like that uh and then you have basically the world is split into these three different factions uh, essentially um the european union uh there's an uh, an asian pact and then you have uh, the republic right and um it starts off with uh, them going out uh, deep into the uh, into the stars, 
uh, to bait, which is the name of the first book into the stars and uh, where they come in contact with an alien race and uh, first contact does not go well. And they are thrust very quickly into a uh, inter-system war with them. Uh, tons of other alien species are within this series. Um, the, I don't know how much James wants me to give away, <laughs> give away just because I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, of course. But um, uh, yeah, but but it uh, it's it's awesome. It, it really is. It's very expansive. Uh, they they visit all these different types of planets. There's there's multiple multiple different aliens, both on you know what we presume are the bad side and and also the good side, right? And entering into an alliance, and um, and so that's basically where Apollo, uh, the first book of Apollo's Arrows, Cherubim Skull, my book, that's where it starts, is at the beginning. Uh, I, I can you know it's my book, so I I don't feel like I'm giving anything away. But when it starts off in the beginning, there is no uh, war with uh, the Zodarks. So the Zodarks are these massive blue creatures um, that uh, they're huge. They they tower over even the tallest human. They have four arms that are just absolutely gi- gigantic. Uh, laser weapons. They got these big swords that they utilize. Uh, sharp uh, nails. Long black uh, hair. I mean, they're absolutely ferocious. Um, and you can see it in, in a lot of the art that uh, that that are the book covers that, uh, that are done by this amazing uh, artist named Tom Edwards. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so so my first book brings it all the way back before that war even happens or we even know what a Zodark is or anything like that. And um, and then we get to we get to kind of follow these guys through basic. And then it gets to the point where, you know, they find out about these aliens and and, and first contact. And so we get to kind of see from a psychological standpoint you know what like what that means because these guys join not because they're in this like is they're not overwhelmed with this abundance to, to help the republic fight this this uh threat from outside our system or anything you know they just join for for different reasons maybe they want to get away from their parents or uh you know maybe they their life is going down a horrible path uh because of crime and and they kind of want, you know, whether they want to or not, they get thrust into the situation of being in the military uh, where they have to kind of turn their life around. Or you have a guy who, you know, he his life is set on one path in particular. And uh, uh, and he feels like, well, is this really what I want or is this what other people want? And so he chooses the military to, to go in there. And then all of a sudden, knock, knock, you're not going to be just chilling in space, doing nothing or going on patrols like <laughs> You're now fighting a, an alien threat, you know, and, uh, and so it's a total, uh, total mind bend on you and uh, and on the characters. I've always wanted to uh, write the story about these very ordinary people who get thrust into position to do extraordinary things. Um and that all started with uh, Band of Brothers when I was a little kid watching, uh, or whatever I can say. But Band of Brothers is like my favorite television miniseries ever created and made. So good. Uh, and I've just, oh yeah. And I've so just good. been enamored with uh, that you were able to tell these unbelievably emotional and impactful stories with just a small company uh, of soldiers. Uh, and I've wanted to take that and, and put it into a narrative form for, for a novel. And so uh, that's kind of where I got a little bit of inspiration from uh, for this. And uh, because that's what it's all about. When I served in the military, uh, I was around a bunch of people who, you know, if you saw them at uh, a McDonald's or your convenience store or anything like that, they they were 
a very ordinary looking person, nothing extraordinary about them. But the things that, you know, they do without people realizing it uh, when when they are, you know, put into these horrible situations, they're able to do it without batting an eye, uh, you know. And, and so somebody on the outside will look at that and they'll go, man, like that guy's a hero. And say, like, well, no, he's just doing his job. He's just put in the situation where he has to act and, or or she has to act. Right. And so it's a uh, it's been a, an incredible journey so far creating these characters and crafting this storyline and and i cannot wait to continue it on and keep going with what i got so many questions so many questions um how hard how how hard has it been to kind of like um take like an existing storyline and then kind of weave your own narrative into it yeah that was something i was going to ask so do you have to have like a timeline or uh sort of certain things that you have to hit to sort of adhere to his sort of vision yeah so it's 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 actually it's actually almost i don't want to say easier because there are definitely certain parts of it that that uh where it goes oh man like i gotta get this absolutely correct and i was able to talk to james and kind of say like hey let's let's come up with this very detailed timeline of everything that happens in your book from beginning to end because since i'm going back to the beginning i'm gonna have to follow kind of the rules and the structure of that um but other than trying to keep it so we're not retconning anything or, or stepping on anybody's toes with with dates and things like that for the most part, it's it's a pretty uh, I, I can kind of just do what I want to do. Um, and so we have these campaigns that go out through the main series, the New Eden campaign, the Intus campaign, the Alfheim campaign, which those are just words that make no sense right now. But if you read the book, you'll understand it. But it's all these different campaigns that, you know, here's your start point. Here's your middle point. Here's your end point. Here's how you get to those moments. Now I get to take the that. And I get to go, all right, what happens in between or what happens on this that maybe you're not seeing? Planets are huge, right? And so, you know, he, I have the pleasure uh, to be able to take these campaigns that happen on these planets where in his series, you see everything happening on this side. Well, what's going on on the other side? Well, I get to, I get to come up with all of that and, and, and do that. And so it's, it's pretty nice to be able to kind of flow, uh, ebb and flow uh, along with the narrative without really stepping on his toes um, too much. And then he'll make sure to tell me um, if, if I do. Um, but I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to, excuse me, I'm very fortunate to be able to uh, go ahead and kind of craft my own narrative uh, within the overarching story. Because when he writes that main series, you know, he has to stay on pace with this grand scale and this grand scheme that he's writing, right? Uh, he he has a beginning, he has an end, and he needs to get to that. Whereas I don't, because I'm not writing politicians. I'm not writing um, these these larger than life characters that are going and meeting these other races and trying to form an alliance or any of this other stuff. Right? It, it all comes down to uh, you know I get to create the small little narrative tale in the wide broader audience of what's going on, so people can read the main series. And they can see, like, all right, well, I really want to know how this alliance ends up forming and how these two alien races come together to fight these alien races and everything like that. And you get that with with the main series. 
But with mine, we're just focusing on Apollo Company and the different things that that they do. So by the time that you get to book four or five, right, in his series, you're already like three major campaigns deep. Um, it's it's years and years and years later. Whereas with me, I get to take my time. So the first three books are basically surround around the New Eden campaign. Um, and whereas by the third book in his series, he's already well past the end of his campaign and deep in there. And so I get to I I get basically carte blanche to just come up with whatever I want to in between uh, because it's it's very centralized with uh, with this one company of soldiers. So it's pretty nice. So um, with regards to the the science angle behind it are you just you know assuming that's uh, i don't know what technology wise and stuff are we pretty far advanced because obviously there's you know we're in into space etc or is it more sort of modern yep. modern weapons with a sort of maybe more of a sci-fi edge to them yeah so um you know every every science fiction major science fiction ip that you that you really look at has this kind of catalyst right so you know the mass effect series you know they they find uh prothean technology on mars and they end up advancing their their everything forward uh with halo they find forerunner technology and they're able to build these massive spaceships later on and everything like that um and it's kind of the same way uh with us um they uh you know, when we end up going like we up until this point, basically, by the time that it starts, the, the series itself starts timeline wise, uh, we've advanced enough to be able to get us to the deep reaches of space, uh, just based off of you know, bending the rules here and there. Uh, you know, there's a huge gap between our timeline now in 2022. And when the main series starts in the Rise of the Republic series. And so we're able to take, you know, that time and kind of just build our own narrative about, okay, well, what are some of the things that are happening right now within the scientific uh, scientific community uh, that, you know, we could see it could potentially get to that point, right, where we're, where we've started it. And then, you know, we'll bend the rules here and there to, to say, like, well, now we have these type of engines and everything like that. You know, at the end of the day, it's science fiction. It's sci-fi. You know, you have to kind of go, mm, all right, and and, and, and move along uh, when it comes to that. But uh, we then do have that catalyst. We meet the other alien species, and they're able to give uh, the technology to the uh, to humanity. Uh, to be able to advance it, to help with the fight against this uh, this, this existential threat that's, that's coming in, um, and so you know when it comes to the weapons, um, uh, a lot of things uh, are advanced to a point. Uh, for instance, they fire a uh, laser. They, there's two different types. The the rifle that we're dealing with is called the M8 in in my uh, in in at the beginning in my book, right? In his series it's kind of developed and gone past that because he's deeper into the future than i am but you you have this rifle that basically uh is uh fires two different like rounds it fires a laser right, that is kind of the superheated plasma uh that comes out uh and then at the same time which is 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 ran off of battery power right and then you have uh a mag rail round which is Use which uses magrail technology, right? Magnetic technology 
Uh, and it's like a five, five, six round that is uh, made of tungsten. It doesn't have a casing. It's propelled by uh, magnetization. And, uh, and, and they utilize that as well. And that is in a magazine that carries upwards of 250 rounds because you don't have these big brass casings that you're having to shove in. You just have these tungsten rounds that you can kind of just slip in there. They're small, they're tiny. They can, uh, there's a lot more room in the magazines that are specifically designed for it. Uh, but there's other stuff that I, oh, go ahead. They're using oh, they're using like Gauss um, Magrail technology on warships. So it's just a case of like the like compacting and compartmentalizing iteration, iteration and uh, miniaturization. They shot down their first drone with a with a with a laser beam recently. So you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you see, you know, it, within our you know what what we have now, you know, you can see us starting to get to that point. Uh, like you said, on naval ships, they tested the Magrail technology. Uh, we're not far off, man. I, I, I truly believe that in my lifetime, at least, um, that we will be able to see uh, certain practices that we deem science fiction right now implemented in real in the real world, uh, at least by the time I'm dead. At least I hope. If not, man, advan- uh, humanity did not advance as far as I thought <laughs> it would. Well, you got you got to think, like, when it comes to sort of technology – it's like you know we we went from this we had this sort of massive leap of sort of um you know th- think about it 50 years ago 60 years ago yeah. you know i don't we weren't even on the moon and you know sort of we you know electricity and things were and computers were just about coming in and then suddenly everything just went so quickly you know you've got you know even in the space of 10 years the size of memory and stuff like you know I, I had my first computer when I was in university was sort of two gigs. My first internet was fourteen kilobyte internet when I was a when I was a child. Now you can get yeah. now you can get one you can get one sort of one um one terabyte uh, one terabyte internet yeah, exactly. and you know your computers come with a terabyte standard in memory and it's just sort of you know everything's just advanced so quickly so fast. I know. I mean. Landlines to mobiles to mobile data, satellite exactly. data. You know, I mean, you think about it these days, they deploy units from from the armed forces with satellite phones that are only slightly bigger than mobile phones. And once upon a time, you'd either have to use a bloody great big um, backpack sort of yeah, radio, have a radio. In, no encryption <laughs> and hope that you had a good line of sight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or run wire, exactly. you know, or run telephone wire, wouldn't you? You, know, you? Some poor bugger would have to go out there and run wire and hook it up at one into a handset. I know it's all. But I, there's, yeah, a, exactly. there's an amusing story that I heard that, and um, it, there was an there was one of the bases in Afghanistan, and the. <laughs> the, the top brass had to basically tell the soldiers to stop using the jogging app around the base because it was logging yes. it was logging the perimeter it, of it, the base when they were running yeah. around it so it's like the, the taliban could see oh that's exactly where it is and that's the layout of it because they were running around this sort of like talent yeah <laughs> that's a huge that's a huge thing like nowadays that that people don't really real and I, I definitely don't want to go off on a tangent about this but but like that's what with with the advancement of technology especially when it comes to military and future war and everything like people just need to chill and understand that like, like technology is a wonderful beautiful thing but it can be exploited for the worst painest things in the world um and 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 you don't even know that it's happening 
you know, they're currently in Ukraine. God bless what's happening over there and everything. Like there are people who are posting TikTok videos or YouTube videos or, or, or stuff on Instagram or just social media in general. And then individuals can take that photo or that video and they can geotag exactly where it is and they can geolocate exactly where it is. And if some dude on his computer, you know, and, and wherever can do that, you know, then your enemy can do it too. And so like, that's, that's a major problem that, that we're definitely going to see in future wars, sadly, is, is that, yeah, technology is this big, amazing, beautiful thing, but man, it can be exploited for the worst things in the world. Is that something you sort of, uh, and so, is that something you sort of tied into your books? The fact that technology and its advancement can be, um, what's the word? Can be manipulated. Yeah. Weaponized. Yeah. Weaponized. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So in the first book itself, um, there there's nothing to that to that point. But it's something that I've written into the storyline for for my next book as well as uh, the third one. Um, the the thing with my series is that I'm able to get way more intimate with the different um, with with the different stories. You know, I, I'm not working on this wide global universal type of uh deal where i you know they have to go all over the place and jump to different planets very centralized to one location and so i tell these more intimate stories like the first book the cherubim's call which comes out tomorrow is uh basically you know it doesn't it there's a couple of points in there which kind mm -hmm. of touch on the idea with the um the leaked video so i i've beta read cherubim's call so um so okay (laughs) Um, James asked me oh, okay. to do beta read for you for it, and I did some. So, so some of the feedback you had cool. may have come back from me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of it in there, but yeah. the scope of what they're doing is much smaller, I suppose, because it's mm-hmm. all in training, I suppose. But yeah, it's definitely something that I recall seeing in there just from certain videos and such, like that were leaked. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it, and it's fun. And it's fun to to kind of take like real world things that happen and be able to implement it because because people can relate with it a whole lot more um especially now with with the war in ukraine and, and it being so publicized on social media and everything like that like that's gonna happen and, and, and yeah you brought up a great point there's a part in the book this isn't giving anything away but there's a part in the book where um a ship comes back from deep space which uh if you read the main series you'll be like oh i know exactly what that is but but if you read the series it's kind of like if you read the book that uh, that I wrote and everything, and that's the only thing that you uh, read, it, it, it'll still make sense for you. Uh, but you'll see. But they see the ship coming in, and they end up finding the uh, the the images on the scopes from this uh, that are basically out there. And uh, you know, people use that for for propaganda purposes. Uh, propaganda is a is huge. Uh, it'll be brought up in in multiple books through entire series because it can be used for good and for bad and um you know people in no matter what what i like to do with my characters is make them as human as possible and so i take conversation that i've had in real life where you know you know you can be a soldier in the same unit in the army together you know get deployed you're going to afghanistan and these two soldiers who work together in harmony uh, have vastly different viewpoints on what you're doing over there or or what's going on, you know, and that's never going to change. That's not, you know, that's not just now, you know, that's going to be in the future too. And so, 
especially when it gets into the wider ring. In this, you know, in this future timeline within the series, uh, we have people living out in the belt. We have people living on Mars and and on the moon. Uh, we've colonized into our solar system. And so there are people who are naturally, especially when, when Earth starts unifying together, there are people who are going to feel left out. They're going to feel bitter. They're going to feel different. And so there's one one character that I really love. I really love writing her. She's a medic. Uh, her name is Kara Nova. And uh, she is born in the belt. Uh, she was she was born in the belt. Uh, her family resides there. She still joins the Republic military, though. And uh, there is this beautiful back and forth uh, dialogue that she has with multiple people uh, in, in several of the books where, you know, her thought process or her thoughts and her views on belters and, and, and how they give to society uh, clashes with people who have never lived, you know, that life before. Uh, and it's a natural thing. You know, people have natural biases because they don't understand where the person comes from or who they are. And then once you get to learn who that person is, where they come from, then you start to understand them better. And I love I love these characters and being able to have have these conversations that I feel that people nowadays need to have more of with individuals. It's very easy to see somebody from somewhere else from a different walk of life or, or what, whatever it be, race, gender, uh, religion, anything that is different from who you are as a person somebody else has. And it's very easy to take that person and just write them off. But if you truly sit down and you talk to that person, it doesn't matter, you know, where your background is or where you're from or anything like that. Like you're going to find, you can find common ground with that individual and you can have a relationship with that individual and a friendship with that individual despite not agreeing on everything we're humans it's gonna happen but you know a lot of people just need to be able to take the time to sit back and kind of just have a discussion with one another and know, and know very, where they come from it's very pertinent for for modern society today isn't yeah. it though yeah sort of very there's very po very very polarized views on the world and um yeah it's quite hard sometimes to find that common ground i to be honest uh, you know the, the war in ukraine um uh, as much as it has is a horrible thing for them obviously i think has been a unifying factor for a lot of people like northern ireland where i come from they'll fight over everything mm -hmm. they'll fight over everything you know and i've never seen a a unified position from both sides in my life yeah. in my lifetime until now and it's just sort of like fuck putin you know that guy's fucking mental yeah. I, and, and it's like literally everybody sort of is just sort of kind of meshing together to show their support for for the ukraine and uh the aggression of um the russian state uh, and it's 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 yeah. insane insane it's very it, it it's very sad that you know that we all come together uh over the worst things in the world and and that's that's just humans. That's just what's going to happen. No matter what you do, Sally, I don't think that's ever going to change. It'd be really lovely if that changed, but it feels that that basically is the ultimate unifier is when something horrendous happens. You know, it could be as simply as like a, a small terrorist attack here. And then people start changing their Facebook profile photos to that nation's flag or whatever. And solidarity. Uh, I remember I, I'm old enough to remember 9-11 happening here in the in the U.S., uh, after September 11th, 2001, like 
the like people say the world changed uh which you know america at least definitely changed the landscape of how we treat everything uh in america but like i always tell my friends and stuff like sadly enough america has never really been as unified as it was on september 12th 2001 i mean geez louise you couldn't go down the street two feet without seeing an american flag out there or somebody holding a banner that said god bless the usa or or what have you you know and and so it's it's a very sad reminder that these horrible things have to happen in order for people to come together and unify. But I think that's why writing these characters to be able to have these conversations that I wish people had more often with one another. It's kind of cathartic to be able to do that. It's like almost therapy, which is the whole reason why I got into doing this with James is because, uh, I mean, just the writing experience itself is a very therapeutic thing for me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's beneficial. I feel. Yeah. I think sort of human beings are very tribal creatures. Uh, we've still got yeah. that sort of tribal mentality from we haven't evolved past it. You can see it in like, you know, football, American football, stuff like that. You know, you'll have, bye uh, bye. you know, any, anything just sort of, they will sort of, they have this really sort of, that's their thing and that's their into. And it takes something bigger for them to sort of kind of, um, you know, get that sort of, that bigger tribe to sort of uh, become something some, something more and they say that it would take a uh an existential threat like uh alien invasion and stuff to unify humanity um uh, you know something they need something bigger than themselves to realize that you know we're all one people and we need to sort of kind of do this and i think that ukrainian thing has you know unified yeah. the west especially uh and said you know, th this is bigger than our petty squabbles. This is this is this is bigger than anything else. This this is an existential threat. This is something more that we need to band together and be unified on. Yeah, I think in many yeah, ways, but... you know, the the West is more unified than it's ever been before. You know, oh yeah, just, yeah. Know, since since the Cold War, we have well. been more unified, and yeah. it's like it's it's almost at. Russia's detriment like no, it's yes you get a small piece of land but then you've got a massive unified uh yeah, I don't think you started out that, that, exactly I, I feel anyway, really I feel yeah. bad for the Russian people yeah. to be honest because I, I I'm I'm confident as much as there's no doubt a lot of them who are uh you know you don't know any better because of the propaganda and stuff like that but I guarantee you there's a lot of them who don't want this but can't because i had a friend his his wife's russian and he used to teach uh english in, in russia and uh he would tell me stories that they, they're so high paranoid it paranoid in a very comical way like they'd sort of put their phone down and walk over somewhere else and talk about something and then come back and get their phone and things because they knew that it's maybe they're gonna get looked at and you know listened to and there's really odd things he'd say and it's just like and they they make jokes out of it they make light of it but it was very much you know yeah we don't want to be disappeared basically and that's yeah, there's, there's people everywhere i mean like like People, I, I think the biggest thing, when, especially when you study history or, or, or you learn history in school, I think the big thing that that it is a problem with learning about history nowadays is that it's very black and white. Yes, it's very yes, like bad, good. That's no it. Gray it's area. Like, well, 
no, that's not true. Like the like the whole world is is gray as heck. Like not every German during World War II was a Nazi. Like you you know what I mean? Like not every Russian over in Russia right now is a horrible person who thinks that what's going on is a great thing. You see it in the news all the time when Russians are being arrested and thrown away in the gulag and everything when they're trying to protest the war that's currently going on. There's no there's not just pure good and pure bad there's a lot of gray in this world and also there's a lot of people who do horrible things with good intentions in mind like like humans are flawed man like it's just gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) luckily we haven't gotten to thanos level yet yeah good good intentions just maybe went a bit over the top you know (laughs) it's only only me we've got plenty of room to work with here No, Ron, I I fully agree. Like, uh, there, and I I I'm glad you. See, I so I did a military history degree, uh, in in, mm-hmm. uh, in university, and I've always sort of, we've always been taught to sort of view the other side of the coin or what was on the other side of the hill. So you were you were made to argue, um, the point uh, the counterpoint first, so you could sort of understand what it was. So you might not agree with it, but you had to argue that point just so you had a level view on everything and because of that i think personally for myself it's 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 sort of lightened my life up uh or, or sort of broadened my life up because i don't look at things like you said black and white i'm very much a case of yeah so they might be saying this but there's very much a case for this as well and you have to understand this and this and that gray area very much meshes into it and it's very sort of therapeutic uh and because you can kind of understand things fully instead of having that well you know we are the good we are the bad and you know there's no sort of there's no middle ground whatsoever it's just like having that gray area and understanding the gray area i think makes the world a more real place and something you can potentially fix going forward instead of going they're the bad guys and we just sort them out it's like yeah well are they bad inverted commas and what you know why are they doing that and it sort of it makes you throw out more questions and you can sort of deal with the situation better i think yeah it if if you go along that route i mean man if everybody had that type of mentality i truly believe that the world would become a more proactive uh sort of uh sort of you know species than a reactive because that's basically what it comes down to is nobody anymore wants to look at the why something happened because sometimes the why is messy and we live in a world where you know, if nowadays, if you even try to bring up like this, this and this, then people might be like, well, you can't say that. And it's like, well, yeah, but I'm not doing it to be divisive. I'm doing it so you can look at what's happening. Like, like, that's just what it is, you know? And, and, uh, man, I don't know. Hopefully the world gets better. Hopefully everybody starts loving each other again. And, (laughs) and we won't have that. See, that's why I love writing sci-fi, man, because you can create your own future where where everything is good and you yeah. yeah, you can, yeah, exactly. You can just escape. I mean, that's that's uh, everybody needs an escape every now and then, whether it's video games, movies, TV shows, whatever. Man, books. You know, you just need an escape nowadays. And um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I but, I'm, I'm very much sort of. I quite like doing the sort of because we do a Dungeons and Dragons game. Myself, Pete, uh, Mark, and a few it. others. We do a D and D game every Thursday, and um, awesome. It's just good to sort of. One, because they're writing their own stories as we go along, but it's just good to have that escape and to create that world and something that's completely 
out there and there is gray areas to it but then there's just there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of sort of you know good as well and, and it's sort of quite heartwarming in, in parts and stuff you know people do bad things for for good reasons and you know it, it's i like that it's uh having that sort of it's obviously not on the same level as yourself writing a book but it's sort of having that output where you can sort of kind of create something um to get you away from the darkness that surrounds you in the real world as it is yeah um, I, I think yeah. like oh no go ahead no, I was going to say like, that's one of the reasons why I play my character Draken the way he does like he's a big burly uh, dragonborn barbarian very low intelligence shall we say and because I, I'm a freelance <laughs> journalist I work in cyber security technology and science where it's very calculating very precise very kind of incisive sometimes you just want to swing an axe yeah <laughs> and he does he and he gets everybody into a lot of trouble on a regular basis well, that's the i just want to understand the consoles and hit it with an axe <laughs> and just it's just a release and i'm kind of mental relaxation that's awesome that's the bet this that's i i love so i i love playing dnd i love playing d20 games um one of my favorite d20 games that i found i found like a long time ago and they just ended up doing a Kickstarter for it again, and I got and I got the thing it was a uh, Twilight two thousand. It's a oh. modern. Pete's oh, okay. Pete's oh, just oh, reactions. Yeah, Pete just did a review for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really brilliant. Good yes, game. dude. <laughs> yes. Because no, who knows about it, man? Like I always bring it up. I'm always like, hey, I really want to play this with people, and there and everybody's just like, what is that? Is that the thing about vampires? And it's like. No, it's not oh. that stupid movie. It's the, it's the, it's real. It's awesome. <laughs> God, oh, so, dude, you made me so happy to see. Them. If there's an RPG, <laughs> Pete's probably got the book and probably reviewed it at one point in time. He's, he's got that. Awesome. He's got a shelf. The shelf there is bending under the the pressure of all the RPGs he's got. That's awesome. That, that's yeah. awesome. I, lo- I love it, dude. Because that's that's how I got. That's how I I, I love to hone my writing skills or my narrative skills really by doing sessions and, and and writing these small campaigns or these short campaigns with friends and things like that, because that's the best way to, to, to be able to continue to work on, you know, your, your narrative skills that it's like, uh, you know, if you play any professional sport, you have practice, right. And it's so you can keep those skills up, you know, you do remedial things in order to, uh, to, to, to keep those skills sharp. And, and that's basically what D or, or just D 20 games in general does for me. And um, some of the best things have come out of, you know, some of the stories have come out of D and D or, or out of a D 20 game in, in, in general. I mean, for in, like the expanse that the, the, I love the, the expanse. Amazing, so good. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an amazing book series. It's an even a more amazing Amazon TV show. I absolutely love it every second of it. But um, best sci-fi but, uh, years. started as a D twenty game. Yeah, like, yeah. like the, yeah. yeah, the two authors created a uh, created this universe and created like a homebrew system. And then they're like, hey, let's write a book out of these out of these you know missions that we've done. It would be really cool. And then obviously it became this huge thing but you know the silliest of things start you know sometimes just on a whim and then they become absolutely massive which i'm not saying that's at all what we're what, what my series or what my book's gonna do i really hope that'd be awesome <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so cool um uh, but but for now it's my little escape and i hope that people you know will read it and and will uh thoroughly enjoy it lance you said you re- you got to beta read it 
Yeah, I did a beta read um, about three, four weeks back. Oh, that's awesome. How, how did you enjoy it? Was, it? was it good? I enjoyed it overall. There was a couple of things I picked up that I thought may need to do with how the ending kicked through that I thought mm-hmm. that, that I fed back. But as a general rule, it's um, it paces well. The people come across well. And, you know, it's it feels involving. And, cool. Um, Lance's uh, Lance's Mark's a D and D character, by the way. So, our handles on here have to do with our yeah, because we do D&D we, we do D and D on Discord, so it's just uh, there, oh, there. I got you. That's his D and D character. <laughs> I've been called worse things. Yeah, no, my D and D character is a Warforged. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I went with something moderately weapon related for him because he's supposed to have been a. A bodyguard that was kind of discarded. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's you know, I've I've been sweating bull because like like I said, the, the book comes out tomorrow. Yeah. And um I've just been dude, I've been sweating bullets about it because it's it's the first real foray for me. You you know what I mean? Like I get no, nothing to get nothing against James or anything, but like I can look at reviews on those other books and I can be like, okay, these are things that I can change. Oh, Hmm, maybe that wasn't about me or what, or what I wrote. I don't know, but this one, it's like, nope. Everything, every review that comes through, man, that's it is Dude. all on me, and I am. So oh. it's it's uh it's nerve wracking. Oh, so uh, you have have you had any sort of pre release reviews or anything back? Yeah, so we had we uh we have a a reader group. We have a couple of groups on Facebook that um that that look through those things or or get kind of advanced copies and are able to uh, read about it and um and read the actual copy itself before it goes live on on Amazon. And um they get the opportunity to kind of give me feedback anything like I I don't care if it's I don't know how why or how I'm built this way, but I don't care if it's like the most harshest criticism humanly possible. Um, like, let me know because my number one thing that I want to do is just make the reader happy and make the people who are reading the book happy. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not so full of myself that I think that I'm a hundred percent right about everything that I write because it's my creation and it's my, no dude, like, like overall, I want people who read the book to really connect and feel like they are a part of the story itself. And if some of the things that happen do not come off correctly or uh, turn people off or they don't like it, like, please let me know so I can fix it for for later on so I can actually make it an enjoyable experience from you later. So, or for you later and there's so, obviously a, a, yeah. a there's obviously a line because you know you can't please everybody all the time and stuff so you have to yeah. you know it's basically the, the majority of the people i think people you maybe respect and you go if they're they're happy with it then that's all that matters really yeah it? yeah there's it, it's it's something oh i'm sorry it, it, just real quick it, it like one of the things is like all I ask though is that if if people people watching this and people who, who listen to the podcast stuff if, if you read the book and you leave a review I don't care if it's as brutal as humanly possible. Like, tell me why, though. My The worst thing that I hate is when someone makes a review, like a two-star or three-star review or what have you, right? And then all they say on there is like, this was not enjoyable at all. And then that's it. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, it's like, dang, dude, like... <laughs> Like what wasn't enjoyable? Because then maybe I can actually change what you need. But but like you said, some some people are just not gonna like things, and you can't. You're not gonna be able to please everybody. Uh, I fully understand that. 
Uh, but man, I'd like to please a lot of people. So, so uh, I, I know. So that. I mean, if people want to, I'm very the same. Yeah. I'm very much the same man. Like I've not written a book, but my band, um, which we, again, I haven't done anything in ages, but uh, we had an album out, and like when the reviews were coming in and stuff, I was just sort of like I said, sweating bullets just to see if people liked the album and things. And it's like we were getting really good reviews from most most sort of countries and stuff. America liked the UK, Netherlands loved us. And then we started to get really brutally bad ones from Germany. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck's going on here? And it was just like, I didn't know how to take it. I was just like, but everybody else seems to like us. Why don't the Germans like us? And I was just couldn't understand why they didn't like my music. And it was really annoying me, despite the majority of the reviews being good. It was annoying me that Germany didn't like our review. I didn't like my album. And I was like, why? Why? I don't understand. But it reminds yeah, me it- of... Um- Okay. It reminds me of a review I saw once that someone did on Amazon. They gave this book one star and they said, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy it. It felt like the the author was just making it up as they went along. <laughs> it's like, you do understand what fiction is about, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fiction. <laughs> like, oh, man. Congrats, you just you just explained what yeah. a fiction novel is. <laughs> I, I'm listening um, I do freelance, a fair bit of freelance writing in journalism and I've learned very quickly ignore most of the reviews for the reason yeah. you stated as in like no, i did not enjoy it well so what <laughs> um i mean yeah. you know in some ways you have to write for yourself don't write for pleasing everyone else please yourself first and that way you make it true yeah we people to... people just need to kind of understand and, and realize that like you know it's okay if you don't like the product that was that that was you know put out, or or it's okay if you like the direction that it's going. If you have feedback, please give me feedback. But also, like, I, it's very easy to be mean and just r- rude and cruel to people over the internet because you're not face to face with them and it's anonymous, right? And so, like, people, I think if I had a message for anybody who reviews books, like, people need to understand that. It might not be your cup of tea or you might not like it, but the person who wrote the book, like this is, this is a passion. Like this is their baby. This, they really care about this. And so if you're going to be very brutally honest about things that you like or don't like about it, then please let them know why so they can then fix that or maybe make them a better author or, or at least so they understand where you're coming from as opposed to just like this sucks. And then that's it. Cause it's just like, well, cool that did a lot for my confidence i yeah. appreciate that feedback yeah um there's a guy so when when i my first one of the first articles i wrote for geek pride many 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 moons ago um was like a, it was i think it was like history some history piece i did and i loved history i hadn't done a lot of writing because i'm dyslexic and i had a few problems and stuff so i thought i'd give it a go and i i wrote this article and it got ripped to shreds because, you know, grammatically wrong. There, there was things that just what it didn't flow very well. And I just got, it got ripped to shreds by people. Um, but a lot of them just took the piss and there was no constructive criticism on it whatsoever. Or nobody was willing to sort of kind of tell me how I could get better. Bar this one guy called Chris Roper. Now he's been on the podcast. Uh, he's a fellow author. He's, uh, he's written a load of short stories. Um, uh, great guy. I always sort of, 
you know, I can't speak any highly, more highly of the guy. He literally, he spent time and he didn't need to do it, but he went through the article and he, he sent me like a, a Word document and he sort of highlighted stuff and he sort of kind of told me, he says, right, this should maybe be like this and maybe this should be like this and this is where your issues are and stuff like that. And I took everything yeah. on board. And because of that, I am, a, I am a million times better at writing now. I think he taught oh, yeah. me more in that one, in that one sort of document than I ever learned in school or anything else. And I'm a much better writer because of it. And um, it, it was all down to constructive criticism and being constructive with their views. And I'm very mindful. Like I'm doing a review of a game at the minute and um, it's, it's not bad, but it's not great. And I'm trying to sort of, instead of kind of going, this is, you know, I'm not enjoying it. and being sort of completely harsh with it. I'm trying to yeah. sort of, so I enjoy this. I enjoy this. This needs to be better. You should do this, maybe. Uh, but all in all, it's not a bad game. Just make sure this happens. So I'm not being an asshole about it because I've been there. I understand what it's like to just be ripped to shreds for for the yeah. for nothing. Like one of the one of the first re- uh, magazine reviews we got for my band, um, a place called Thinkled Rockstone. And this guy, it was like our first EP. We did it in our bedroom. It, this, you know, the, it was literally we, like you said, we had passion. We really wanted to do this. We spent all what we could do to sort of get this thing out, and we got good enough reviews. But this one guy, all he did was take the piss out of us and call us children, and basically all these like just took the piss. And I was so annoyed that I went on this big sort of internet campaign to sort of complain about this guy's review because I said I don't mind if you didn't like the music. It's fine. A lot of people might not like the stuff. I don't mind that you know you you didn't like this or maybe you didn't like the way the structures. But you get to be you got to be constructive about it. And you said nothing about the music itself. All you did was say we didn't spend yeah. enough money on production and the blah blah blah. And it's just like you it was just completely harsh. And he retracted it he said i'm sorry you're right and he retracted it so i was just like cool. win win <laughs> yeah that's, all, that's awesome yeah people can get to understand that like this is this, like this is people's passions that that you're messing with and so you know some people can't take constructive criticism like some people like i've met a few people where i've been like hey like this is kind of bad but if you do this this and this and this like i think it can be 10 times better and they'll just be, uh, you what, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, have a good day. But like, yeah, man, you just gotta, you gotta pick and choose, you know, what you say. And always remember at the end of the day that like, this is somebody's passion. Like, they're not just doing this for for fun. Like, I a hundred percent into writing because I was like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. I've always do this. This is gonna be great. If you love what you're doing, you're never working a day in your life fuck that it is hard like this is hard like it's it's great it's fun i love doing it but man oh man it is it is more than just writing sending it away and being done is it um... i spent more time i think editing it than i did writing it like it's insane and and i've been very fortunate with games and frontline publishing they've all uh, they all have have given me this amazing editor who who goes through everything and maps everything out. And what it was, even even when when we went through the first initial couple edits and everything, and it was like, oh man, I think this is like it. This is the final. This is the final product. Even after that, like we were able to go back and re-edit it again and like make it way better. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's just it, it's crazy because you don't even think about it as you're writing it. And then you see everything later on and, and they'll be like, hey, you know, think about this, this and this. And it's like, oh, oh, OK, that really opens up everything. 
and um and yeah it's it's just it's i'm very fortunate for where i've ended up with frontline and, and everything like that and and kind of getting this opportunity and, and uh I, yeah i've never squandered it it's, it's, uh, it's is been it, fantastic it obviously it, it's it's obviously hard work but it is the fact that there is a um a historical bible behind it or at least some sort of like uh, um roadmap in certain ways sort of about sort of obviously races and uh, things that are going on does that make it slightly easier for you because you don't have to worry about the sort of kind of the minutia of the sort of the broader the broader sort of kind of thing does that sort of help out for sure uh like knowing knowing the different types of vehicles that he has created in the universe uh the different types of ships the different weaponry the different type of aliens all these things that he has created in his in his series itself like I don't have to worry about like I can, I can literally plug and play you know uh which has been very fortunate I have been I have been able to kind of uh go into certain areas that he hasn't really explored yet and I've been able to create my own stuff that he's now implemented in his series like uh one of the characters that um I write uh in this first book and uh, and everything is Oliver Moore he's a uh, he's from the UK he uh, he joined the Republic military and he's a medic. He's a combat medic. Um, and it's it's been awesome writing this character because I'm, I'm learning a whole lot of stuff. All of my research for that role, because I was an infantryman, I wasn't a combat medic, uh, was I got a hold of my old combat medic who was in my unit back when I was in the army. And I asked him like, if I had a question. Like, for instance, there's a, a scene where I wrote where a character was shot and I told him. It, I told him the situation, exactly where uh, where the person was hit, what type of weapon it was, what type of damage he has to his body, and I said, "Now, how would you do that? How would you? How? What? What would be your first step in trying to stabilize this individual?" And he, he first was, "Well, he'd be dead. Like, like that's <laughs> that. That is like that person will die." And I was like, "Okay, well, it's the future, so bear with me and tell me like how you would go ahead and stabilize him, and I can fill in the blanks." And so uh, he did. He was able to to map out everything that he would do on the ground there uh, in the situation, and then I was able to take it and I was able to, for lack of a better, futurize it. I was I was able to then go okay, well, how could we stabilize it? And so I, I was able to create all these different things. Like I remember, and it's all based off of stuff that is prevalent today. So I remember seeing an article about something and then I did more research about it where there is this new type of gel that the army is trying to uh, work on and utilize to where they can, if someone yeah. gets shot and they're freaking dying or they got a hole in their ca cavity or whatever it is, they take this coagulant gel yep. and they inject it in, uh, into that area, into that wound, and it literally like quick co coagulates everything and keeps them from bleeding out and gets them to, so they can get them to uh, triage and everything or to back to the fob or, or where, have, where have you. And so um, I took that concept and I basically made it a little bit better to where, you know, it, it helped out more than just stopping the bleeding. Uh, but you're, but that, that's the fun thing is that I'm able to take these characters because he hasn't dealt with combat medics in his in his main storyline, and so I was able to create a lot of this technology, uh, the Halo system, which is uh, they're able to uh, put them into this machine that basically revolves around them uh, or around the body and tells them everything that's wrong uh, with that individual, 
and then they can go about using that machine to then start fixing them. Um, they already have like another way that I was able to be like, okay, how is how does this fit into modern into the modern time? Everything like they use, for instance, my shoulder surgery. They use the machine to sew up my torn rotator cuff and torn labrum. Like 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 a doctor did not go in there with little hands and do that. No man, he used like a robotic machine to fix my shoulder. And um and so I just thought about that. I said, well, how, where would we be? you know, uh, as a spacefaring race, you know, you know, technologically advanced with that capability and, and with that availability to, to do something like that. Well, I would assume that we would have a machine that could fix everything. Now, if you have cancer, you know, it's not going to fix your cancer, you know, with a push of a button. But, um, but, you know, if you have, you know, a gunshot wound to the chest, you'll be able to go in there and fix all that stuff. And then, you know, Everybody in this universe can heal faster uh, using a uh, technology that we have and everything. And so it's it's been it's it's been really fun to be able to create these different uh, things in universe uh, that we might not have today, but we could hope for. There's a flip side to that where you've got this mapped out universe. And obviously, you're starting back here. How many times have you found that you've inadvertently been using stuff way earlier than it should have popped in there? Like. You having read oh. ahead, you make make someone makes a reference to something about the Zodarks that they wouldn't have learnt yet because it was still earlier in the Eden campaign. <laughs> Dude, too many times. Like, <laughs> holy smoke. We had a we had we had a, there is there's a or in the main series, Apollo is on a ship called the RNS Valkyrie, right? And uh was okay, I gotta ask you this then, Lance. Was or uh, Lance? Mark. Uh, that's your character's uh, name. Um, Mark. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> uh, when you read Cherubim's Call, did you or what was the name of the ship that they were on? Oh, I can't remember now. Oh, I'm advanced reading the um, first one, so the, the 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 latest copy, so I can do your review tomorrow. So it's kind of all overwritten yeah. a little bit. Gotcha. So for the longest time, even like back when some beta readers were getting this version and everything, it was the RNS Valkyrie, right? But then we got done writing the book. We got done like literally about to send it to Amazon. And we both had this moment where we went, oh my God, like the Valkyries is the advanced ship that we've never had before. And they would not have it at this moment. So we had to go back and change everything <laughs> oh, about no. it. Oh, and so we've had those moments, uh, vehicles too, uh, uh, vehicles. I know that, uh, in, uh, into the cast and into the fire around the Alpine campaign, they had already, uh, the, the DC Cougars, which were these big, massive, um, uh, big, massive, uh, vehicles, uh, infantry fighting vehicles and, and armored personnel carriers called, called DC Cougars, Cougars. Well, they don't exist yet in this and so i have to you know go back and i have to i had to change all that to a different uh weapon or to a different vehicle and so when we were able to do that then we were able to uh kind of get underway but yeah that happens all the time man that happens all the time where you know we'll have to go back and, and fix something or else we're about to retcon everything and uh, we were very fortunate to sit down and do the timeline together and kind of figure out the timeline of events and everything like that. Um, uh, and it was really funny. I felt bad for James because after we got done with the timeline, 
he had to go back to a couple of books before and change a bunch of stuff because he realized that he was off his timeline a little bit. And so, uh, but that's why you need stuff like that. And then, uh, and we were very fortunate to get that done uh, in time. So, we'll keep on dropping yeah, off Discord. Yeah, I got bounced and came back in again. I'm guessing that Pete has as well. Um, sorry, can you carry on what you were saying, Mark? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously in that situation, that's one of those things where I suppose it helps having that extra set of um, eyes in both directions, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, and then and also the beta readers themselves. We've had beta readers come in who have also read, you know, the previous books in the main series who have been like, "Hey, you know, you said this, but you know, why why is this this?" And then we'll go, "Oh yeah, dude, correct." You know, it, it's hard, man, and it's even harder for James. James, not God bless him, but he writes not only the sci-fi series, but he also writes thrillers modern uh war uh books like he has all these different series going on right now and i don't understand how that guy does it man i barely have enough time for my family and kids now writing <laughs> one series let alone like five at the same time plus i, I plus i work also i work i work a regular day job from seven to three so it's just one of those things God. seven to three sleep who needs it oh. <laughs> That's some early exactly. That's when we get done with this podcast, I gotta go. I gotta go all the way back uh, home, and then and then start writing. You know, I, I I go right back to work writing right when I get home. You know, and working on book two. Pretty excited about that. All three books are up for uh, uh, pre order right now. Cherubim's Call comes out tomorrow on Tuesday, or or well Tuesday. It's Monday today, but Tuesday. But um, and then uh, the the second and third book, those are already up as well uh, for pre order. Um, artworks, artwork on those were done by Tom Edwards, unbelievable graphic artist. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Second book's called Malevolent Inferno. Uh, they, they go to one of, uh, New Eden's moons, uh, called Tigris. And it's this, uh, it's this black rock of a moon that has rivers of lava flowing through it. It's awesome. It's, it's so awesome. And, and it's been very fun and unique to, to write, uh, these characters on that type of biome, right? And uh, so that's been a neat challenge. And then the third book uh, is called The Zealot. And it's going to it's kind of going to go in this direction that we haven't like kind of done before. So uh, at least for me with these characters. So the first two books are very action heavy with battles and, and, and stuff like that, you know, really getting to show the nitty gritty of, of what they do on the ground and how they fight and everything like that. The third book is a way more personal story and i i would almost say that it's kind of a thriller in, in a way um there's a, there's a, a murder mystery involved um there's not a lot of massive there's not like massive ground battles it's way more centralized to to the location that they're at um but it's it's a nice little reprieve uh because i feel like if you just had every single book these massive huge battles with people getting blown up every five seconds it's like you're gonna get exhausted after a while you're gonna be like well jesus how, how many how many times like i don't need to re i don't need to get the next book because the next book's gonna be the same exact thing they're gonna be going in the battle and this person's gonna die and the, you know what i mean so I, I it's a nice little mix up and i and i think it'll be fun for the reader to to kind of go on these different type of uh, uh narrative 
choices that, that, that I take them on. So I'm excited sort of, about that. We ask sort of most of the, the, the authors who sort of come on the podcast um, about their, um, how they deal with sort of writer's block and how they deal with um, motivating themselves to write. Do you have, uh, do you have issues writing? Do you have to um, plan things out yeah. or are you just like, just do it, just go, just do it? Yeah, it's, it is, and I'm still learning, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's been, I found different things that have helped, uh, but it will always be an ever evolving process that I'll continue to learn from and I'll continue to tweak like here and there. But for right now, sometimes, you know, there's different things that you, that, that you can do, right? I feel that if you have writer's block, I mean, if you have writer's block and you're sitting there and you're just like, what is going on? The worst thing that someone can tell you to do is, well, just push through it. Just, just push through. And it's like, well, yeah, I could just push through, but I guarantee you what I write will be the most garbage thing humanly possible because I'll just, because I'm just writing words down to try and get through it, to get to what I, 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 I need to do next. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to have to deal with. And, um, sometimes what I'll do is I will write down what I need to write down. Um, and then if I hit this, this wall and I can't push through it anymore, I'll either just go, all right, I need to take a break. I need to just sit down, sit back, relax and chill. Um, we talked about the expense earlier. So I haven't finished. I've I've read the books. So so I already know how it all ends. But but I haven't finished the last season, right? And the reason why I haven't finished the last season is because whenever I get in these ruts, these walls I hit, what I end up doing is I go, all right, let me watch an episode of this. And so I'll sit down and and, and now now oops, sorry. Sorry about that. That's right. It was, um, uh, so the big thing is, is that whenever um, I start in this writer's block, I'll sit down and I'll watch an episode of The Expanse and I'll see if that gets the creative juices flowing uh, because I write sci-fi. Right? I, I write sci-fi. Um, and so, geez, Louise, this phone got me all messed up. So, but oh, the big thing that I watch now is Halo. It's it's the, the Halo series. I have, my I've, wife and I got stuck on that. I haven't. Um, <laughs> so I've, we started watching. I've got four of them to, to watch. I'm, I'm basically going to wait till they're all out, and I'm going to do split. So I appreciate. My, I'm I'm a massive Halo fanboy, so I I I can't. I, I I understand it's not like the game, so I'm going to have to take some of it sort of on the chin, but my brother seems to quite like yeah. it, so I'm just going to wait until all of them are out, and then I'll watch them. I'll I'll yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's it's different to what I know of. I've not played the game to become a PC gamer. So that's on my to-do list now with um, everything else. But I'm enjoying it as it is. Some places I feel they probably could have worked on the pacing a little bit. But overall, I've been quite enjoying it. And they've definitely done the action scenes quite well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, dude, I've been, I've been, I've, playing halo and reading all the halo i've read all the halo books i've read played all of the games since it first came out in 2001 like i'm 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 with you man i'm all in on halo i'm a huge halo fanboy. and when they first came out and said 
that it wasn't going to be the normal timeline. It was going to be a different timeline, all that stuff. Man, I was so worried because I was like, oof, man, you're taking something that I love very much, and you're, and I'm afraid you're going to butcher it and bastardize it. Um, but it's been thoroughly enjoyable. Um, there are a lot of things where if you're a Halo fan, like if you're a deep Halo fan, you'll watch it and you'll go, oh, like I know where this is going, uh, but you don't, but like how are we going to get there, right? And so uh, that's been kind of fun because I'll be honest, man. I've I read all the Game of Thrones books before the TV show came out. Yep. And so I would sit there, like not I'm not giving anything away, but the Red Wedding, right? <laughs> like I sat there, oh, knowing exactly what was about to happen. And so it was hilarious to see my wife react to it and, and freak out and everything. Oh, but I but emotionally, I was like, I'm I I know what's gonna happen. Like yeah. I know what the end game is. And to be quite honest with you, I wasn't like I didn't sit. I wasn't sitting there going like that was awesome. I sat there and I was like that was very well done. But I knew it was happening, and so I kind of like that with the Halo show is that I don't like I like I know where it's gonna go, but I don't know how the heck they're gonna get there. And so it's actually been pretty fun not knowing what angles it was gonna come at. You know all these gripes that people are coming out with. So I'm going to go on a rant for a second. All these gripes that people are coming out with about <laughs> about Halo, where they're, where they're like, that's not my Master Chief and everything. Listen up, people. Read the books, dude. Because it, it, Master Chief in the video games, yes, is a man of very small words. He doesn't have that much emotion or anything like that. But if you read the books, John 117 is an absolute savage who loses his mind often where he yells at people <laughs> and creeps at people and tries to kill people with his bare hands like everybody goes oh well he he would kill the odsts when he was younger and he didn't really touch he's thrown people through stuff because he's been angry like he is a very unhinged man okay so i don't want people to be going into this thinking that like they killed everything it's not the right master chief it's not the right stuff it's like yes there are some things narratively like mark hit it on the head where he would go, where he was like, where he said that there are some things narratively that they need to figure out. I agree. If they found the authors or the, the authors, if they found the screenwriters who wrote a few of the storylines and just kind of got rid of them and got somebody else, I'd be very happy because there are some characters in that show that I just do not care about at all in any way, shape, or form. And it's very frustrating to say that, but it's just like, oh, I don't. Who are it's you? Just Get out of my face. Yep, yep, you've done your bit now. Can we just move on to the interesting stuff, yeah? Exactly. If you have me watching something and I'm literally going like, oh, can this scene get over with so I can just go on to the next character? Like, <laughs> sorry, you've written a poor character. <laughs> I don't care what anybody said. Because I am easily amused. And if I'm not amused by one of your characters, you you met somewhere. Yeah, yeah I'm very much the same. I, I'm easily entertained yeah. and stuff. So if I'm not entertained, I'm like, you've done something very, very, very wrong. <laughs> 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 but yeah, when I did the uh, the Game of Thrones thing, like I read the books and like I was sitting there for years, and everybody else is sort of like, "I love that Jon Snow," and I, I love that Rob Stark, and I was like, "Oh my god, you have no idea what's going to happen to these people." <laughs> you're in for you're in for some bad news, bud. Yeah, I was like, I remember my mate, um, guy called Gears, and he and he comes in. I've told the story loads, but he comes into work, and he sits beside me, he's like, "Oh my mate, I love that Rob Stark. He's really good," and he's sort of like he's proper from Wigan, so he's this like proper Northern sort of English guy. And he says, "Ah, oh, it's proper." proper good that rob stark and i was just like oh man 
you're going to be so upset very soon. And he, I didn't tell him. Yeah, and I, and so when he came in after the Red Wedding, he, said he just fucking didn't say anything. And I was just like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. But unfortunately, he's not going to be the, the one, the only man, the only person you love to die in this in this series. And he's like, oh, yeah. they, they can't kill off, they can't kill off Jon Snow, can they? <laughs> I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know nothing, that, man. That's <laughs> That's actually a really good segue for something uh, with with the book series is that the characters and dealing with death, right? So in Game of Thrones, it was the same. And I, I loved that they that he did it in Game of Thrones where like nobody was safe. No main character in any way, shape or form was safe because that's real life. Yep. Like, I was going to ask like, this question. That's as real as it gets. Are you, are yeah, you, bro- yeah, are you oh, brutal yeah. with your characters then? Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I want I want people to understand that when they read the series, there's like they don't need to sit on pins and needles the entire time thinking like, oh my god, the next page someone's like, I'm not gonna go overboard with it. I'm not gonna go crazy. Fifty thousand people immediately, where every book is a new character that they have to get to know. Like I'm not gonna do that. That's not a way to write something, especially when see with George R. R. Martin, he had like ten characters going at once, so he could afford to do that. You know, uh, narratively, my book follows three main characters, right? All within the company. It follows uh, Harrison Kodiak, who is a normal infantryman. Uh, he's he's young. He he just graduates high school. He has the opportunity to go off to college and play football, but he's kind of like, is that my dream or is that my parents dream for me and so he wants to form his own path and he joins the military oliver moore is from the uk he comes from uh from high society uh and um and you know he's kind of you know went around his whole life being groomed to kind of be in this posh lifestyle that just isn't for him like he just does not want it you know and his parents look at him as like this rebellious individual who won't get in line and won't toe the line and won't be part of the family or anything like that when and and he's just like can i just fucking live please and so he feels the best way to be able to do that is to go off and join the military because now he won't be touched by his family they they properly disown him and he's just like i'm gonna go live my life and do what i want to do like which a lot of I feel like a lot of people will read that and be like, oh man, I wish I could just be like that. You know, I I do. And so, and then the third guy is uh, Aiden Hall, and he is uh, uh, from America. He uh, he he's on hard times. He's a common criminal. Um, he understands that he, he's not on a good path, but he doesn't care because he just wants to. He that that's the easiest way to get by, put food on his table and keep moving uh and then you know the law catches up to him eventually and he gets this opportunity to where he can eat in the military or he can you know go uh, live out his sentence in, in prison and so he chooses the military over prison and uh and so there's these three unique individuals who who all come together in basic training and kind of uh come together and become this this tight bond and, and friendship and um and yeah you get attached to these characters man at least i do when i write them uh, and so it's never easy uh, when it gets to a point where I, I may have to kill one off. Um, uh, but it is what it is. And you got to do what's best to to drive the narrative forward and really gut punch people and, and make them understand that like, like this is war. Right. Like th- like you don't you're not always going to come out on the other side. 
people die all the time. One of my favorite lines that I wrote in this book is uh, uh, it's about a secondary character, so it's not really a spoiler or anything. But it, it basically, this character mentions that like this officer, you know, they're putting this picture up on screens and bit screens and blasting it all around the Republic and everything about how he's a hero of the Republic, died in battle, leading his men and everything like that. And Kodiak basically makes this offhanded comment where he kind of goes, yeah, but in reality, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He got blown up and he fucking died bleeding out on his back in the middle of a firefight. Like he didn't do anything spectacular. He just walked up to a vehicle, walked inside of it. The vehicle blew up, threw him out and he bled out. on the ground. Like that's like, and, and that's just how it is. Like there's, it's nasty. It's gritty. It's real. You know, it's not, we don't live in this fantasy world. And that's the big thing that I want people understanding when they go into these books is that it's, it's going to be real. It's going to be, it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies, you know, like, like not everybody is always going to make it out because that's not how life is. That's my sort and, of, um, yeah. And I feel like people need that reality. Like I said, I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not killing somebody off every book or I'm not killing people off, you know, every five pages or anything like that. but. It's war and people are going to die. And so whenever someone like I had somebody read it, the first book and uh, and this one character, it was a, it was a secondary character. It's not it's not anybody of, of, of major importance, but it was enough to where they're like, oh, did you really have to kill that person off right there? And I was like, good. That's that's what I want. That's the reaction that I want. I want you to read it and go, oh, did you have to kill this person off? Yes. Yes, I did. And that is the reason why. Exactly what you, I wanted to feel an emotional reaction. You it's true. I, 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 th- those things you know. do sit with you, though, because it's like, I can, I like, I'm also a Lord of the Rings fan. Um, you know, I, I love my, um, love my books. I, I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever read the Sharp series, sort of uh, Napoleonic, sort of. Uh, yes. Yeah, Sharp. Bernard yeah. Corwell, my favorite dude. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so good. Like, yeah. so massively into Sharp and things. And, but, my 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 most vivid memory of reading a book was finding was the red wedding scene in uh in game of uh in um not game of thrones uh Sto- was it was it in storm of swords was red, that, red wedding was it in the third book second book third book it was the third book it, it was oh man what was it Cla- clash of clash of kings that was sad, I believe. Yeah. or was right. it yeah uh, anyway so uh, i was reading I the know. book and um, my sister and my dad had read it already. And it's so vivid. Like, I can, I, you know, and I just sort of, and they're sitting there watching me reading this book, knowing I'm getting to this position and the thing. And I just remember sitting there. I was in Egypt at the time. I was on holiday. I was lying underneath the sunlight and reading this thing and just sort of like slowly going, no. And it's like, no. And then just kind of going, oh, what the fuck? And I just remember getting up and go, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? And it's like throwing the book down on the ground and then getting up. And then obviously Catelyn gets her neck cut and stuff and gets killed and stuff. And then, you know, and and then, you know, his wife gets sort of, you know, oh, do you know what she does? She doesn't, she's not there actually. I lie. She's not in the book. That's the series. Um, But yeah, so it's his mother and uh, and him. And then obviously the wolf and I'm a massive dog lover. So, you know, he, you know, Grey Wind gets killed and head stuck on a pike and i'm just like what the fuck is this but i remember it so vividly like i remember the faces of my brother my sister and my dad i remember um you know just being there what i was doing it was just because somebody i loved a character i loved was dead and i was just like 
Yeah. Fuck my life. Can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And I, it's good. I, and I, I'm from that point. I think it, it, it sort of made me feel like I kind of like as much as it's uncomfortable. I like my I like my my literature to be uncomfortable, um, and I, it's the same when I'm reading history and stuff. You know, I, I kind of like reading things which go against what I've been taught because you know I like that uncomfortable truth, and I kind of like that uncomfortable sort of. Um, you know, when you're reading fiction, you like a character and you've got that sort of, oh no, something's going to happen to them. And as much as you're just like hoping it doesn't, part of you is kind of going, but if it does, that'll be fucking awesome. That'll be so good. So yeah, I like, <laughs> I like that sort of thing. So yeah. I saw a meme somewhere that probably appreciate, would probably appeal to both of you, which was, um, what sort of a psychopath can finish a perfectly good book and just carry on and start another one as if they haven't just had their heart ripped out? Thrown on the floor and stomped all over by a tide of elephants. Do you, do you, do you um, have you have you read any of the like the first law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie or any of his Joe Abercrombie stuff? Right. So I I no. got put onto this by my boss. Um, he's got there's a the first law trilogy. Uh, there's three standalone books, and then he, there's the new trilogy, uh, which uh, I'm starting at this moment in time, which I haven't sort of finished. But he is so like he has these characters that you follow, but it. it he, there's certain things you don't he does things that you just don't expect them like people you expect to be the good guys are not good guys or you know there's lots of darkness to them and there's lots of sort of edge to them and stuff and he does this thing where you're just like you don't know how to sort of take people and because they're really they're real yeah. they're really real you know they're just sort of like they're humans and it's just it's a it's a great way to read things because you know it's fantasy and it's like the people you think were going to be the good guys aren't and the guys who are the bad guys aren't so bad yeah. and everybody's there's a bit of a gray edge to it all and it's just like there's things happening you're just like holy shit the fuck i didn't expect that to happen and it's i love it i love that sort of thing i love realism even when it's in sort of fantasy and stuff because you know I've, you know you, you yeah. read your books when you're growing up and you, you can't the hero does the hero thing and he he, he survives and, that, and that's great they're all great but having characters you just sort of get you know turn out to be shitheads or you know turn out to be killed and stuff you know you, you're just like yeah i love that love it. i hate i i hate mustache twirling villains oh, like yeah. one-dimensional yeah man. one-dimensional villains where yeah. you see them and you go and you go oh yeah that guy's just a pure evil schmuck and it's like well there's nothing else there. But if you take a guy who is, you know, at his core, not a good person, but, you know, if you give him human qualities, you can still make him – you can still Relatable. write him to the point or her to the point where people kind of go like, I don't know about this person. Like, should I hate this person? I understand where they're – like, if you can understand where a villain is coming from – and kind of like empathize with that person. Like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that person's still evil, but I understand why. Yeah. Black Library is the biggest thing for me. Black Library are very good at doing it for the 40K. Um, the 40K. I mean, I'm not sure if you're into your 40K and stuff, but like Warhammer 40K, mm -hmm. the Black Library books, so the Horace Heresy series, um, which is like 56 books, and they're on the Siege of Terror ones, which are on book, there's 10 of them, and I think we're on book six or something at the minute, but. Um, th they're so good at building the gray area, and so that you've basically got the tent. Like for those who 
who aren't into 40k or what is 30k for the Horus Heresy stuff, you know, you've got ten, you've got 20 legions, two who sort of disappear and you don't know what's happened to them. Then you've got eight bad, bad and verticomus chaos ones, and then you've got uh, eight sort of good ones. So you've got traitor legions and you've got the um, uh, the loyal legions and stuff. But the traitor legions all have these really sort of like tragic stories behind why they turn traitor and stuff. So you've got um, you've got uh angram who's like the um uh, the champion of uh, of corn the chaos uh, chaos blood god and stuff and he basically was taken from his planet by the emperor and he wanted to die with his friends on this this hill where he basically was an escaped slave with these guys he wanted to die with his friends and he was taken away from them and they all died um without him and he he just had that grudge that he could never sort of kind of get back so there's these really relatable stories behind these people and why they did them like um what is it um logar that you know he 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 worshipped the emperor as as a god and um and then the emperor basically comes down and destroys a planet uh um because he says that's not what I'm about. I'm not about worship as a thing. And that sort of fucked his head up and he went towards the chaos gods. And there's all these sort of kind of very relatable yeah. reasons why these guys turned traitor. And it's, it makes them so much better. You don't have just evil guys. You have guys with axes to grind and just sort of like, you know what? Maybe they're right in a certain way. You know, maybe... Well, so that gray area is so yeah. good. One of the best relatable villains I found was Ed Harris in the Nicolas Cage film, The Rock. Yes. Yes. Because he took a lot of people hostage for a very valid reason, recognising fallen soldiers that had been died in denied of operation, but their relatives had been denied, um, you know, reparations. And you'd be watching that and thinking, yes. So you kind of were, well, who is the villain here? Is it Ed Harris? Is it? Or it, then we just know it's Walmart. It's the government. It's it's yeah. Walmart. The 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 CIA um, yeah. agent uh, director. In fact, he's the yeah. bad guy. But they they, they say that they, that every villain is the hero of his own story. Exactly. Or another. Sometimes yeah. because they have a valid reason. Sometimes because they're broken. <laughs> really. Yeah. Sometimes just because, as you were saying, they. They want something different to what everybody else does. I, and, we we yeah. had a sort of uh, in our D and D campaign. Uh, we had a, I say bad guy inverted commas. We had a guy he was fucking with the party, um, right? And he was basically somebody that one of my brother's character knew uh, from his sort of uh, his village, uh, his sort of the elven village where he came from and stuff. And he basically betrays them and. And then there's a point in it where they sort of meet him again, and they ca- they manage to capture him and stuff because he's sort of he's on the side of the the sort of the 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 main big bad guy in the in sort in the in the series. And there's a part in it, and it's so beautiful because I've got this I had this really long backstory for him and why he's doing why he what he did and all this other stuff. But my brother didn't know this, and there's a really good point in it where basically my brother asks him, "Did you kill my father?" because he knew that he had been killed. He said, did you kill my father? And uh, he says, yeah, I did, you know. And so as much as he was my brother character and this, um, I don't even bloody name. Uh, What was his name, Mark? Uh, Pete? Uh, Uh, Gaius. Gaius, 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 that was it, Gaius. Gaius, that was it, Gaius. And uh, he says, I did. Uh, And my brother basically 
does this thing where he sort of kind of he says he puts his head on Gylas's head um and he says i thank you thank you for protecting um his because he's got a twin brother thank you for protecting my twin brother and then he stabs him in the head with a knife for killing his father so it's just like this sort of moment where like we didn't know what was going to happen he literally just says i put my head on the side uh, I thank him for protecting my brother, and then I stab him in the head with this knife. And I was like, "Oh fuck, you've killed this guy and stuff." Yeah. And I was just like, "But then it gave me a really good plot point to basically have this moment where he found out the backstory on why he killed his father. So he killed his father because his father they were in this sort of um, uh, they were being tortured." And, you know, his father wouldn't give in, but he was near enough death and he didn't want to carry on sort of kind of just being in pain. So Gylus kills him basically as a mercy. And then he tells him before to look after his bro- uh, his son, which is my brother's character's brother. So there's like this really sort of kind of thing. So he's killed this guy thinking he killed his father, but deep down he was doing it because he was sort of doing a mercy. He wasn't a good guy oh, because yeah. he was a bit jealous. There was all this sort of darker edge to him, but he was trying his best yeah. to be a good person at that point. So there's this like really gray edge so my brother was feeling like super guilty because he found oh. all this stuff out and i was just like oh man i love that it's so good it's so good yeah that's great yeah it was very dark it sounds but... like family do D D with one of those dm they they start taking pot shots they, they start looking for, for really good ways to break the other half i've got some other point and i feel like i'm doing it on my brother quite a lot and it's not it's just because he's really into it and stuff but i've got a few more sort of i've got a few more tear jerkers for him i've made him cry once so it's i've got to make danny cry i've got to get danny crying at one point i kneel i know i did when 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 salden got when salden's character died she cried but uh uh, she's now got very hard and decided she just wants she's a murder hobo she just goes around killing people and not giving a shit despite being a cleric but Ah. um uh, so it's like so i'm determined (laughs) i'm determined she keeps on thinking she keeps on thinking yeah. is protecting more people than the cleric. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, 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 so, Draken, yeah. so Pete's character has to go around stopping them from torturing people and things because he's just like, <laughs> you're meant to be good. You're not meant to be doing this. So they're just like, well, you know, if we cut off his jaw, we're not killing him. We're just stopping him from talking. And I'm just, so he's having to stop these guys. Brilliant. Anyway. Anyway, we're going, we're completely going off topic here and stuff. Anyway. Um, right. Um, I, I feel like we could. I feel like we could talk. You, your enthusiasm for you for for your books, man, is very, very. Um, um, what's the word? Um, infectious. Yeah, infectious. Like really infectious. Like I love. I love seeing it. Like we, we've interviewed a lot of writers, and they're obviously they they're very sort of into their writing. But you're like, you know, you. It's. I love the fact that you're just like, oh, and there's this bit, and there's this bit, and you're like, you're just so excited <laughs> about your book. And it's it's brilliant. I love yeah. it. I love that sort of thing. I love somebody's just like and there and you can tell that you want to tell us everything. Like you know, you're like uh, this isn't gonna oh, yeah. this isn't gonna ruin it. But it's just like you're just like oh man, but there's this bit and then there's this bit and then there's this bit and it's just like and it's I love a, that. it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. You can ask my wife. I I, I like oh, I can't keep a secret. So uh, so so <laughs> I, like I'll buy her a birthday present and then I'll sit there for about a day or two and then I'll go. 
hey, you want to know what I got you for your birthday? And she goes, no, it's like in a month. And I said, yeah, but okay, fine, I won't tell you. And then she'll say, of course, she'll be like, okay, yes, I want to know. And I'll spill it out of me. Oh, I can't do it. I can't keep a secret. I get too but, yeah. but I love, I mean, I love this series, dude. I love this book. I love what, because I've, I've already written out what's going to happen in like the next, uh, upwards to six books in the series. And, um, <laughs> I'm just really excited about it, man. I can't. I can't wait for other people to read it. I know that some people aren't gonna aren't gonna most likely like it, but that's that. It is what it is with everything that that comes out nowadays. But I'm really hoping that the people who do enjoy it really enjoy it and want to continue on knowing what these characters do because the fact of the matter is, is like it's how it is with TV shows and with book series that I that that I read. I, I prefer television series to movies because. I get too attached to characters and I want them to continue going on and yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. Harry Potter is like this huge thing for my life. Right. And so the fact that I don't get any more of it basically like sucks, except for the fantastic beast movies, whenever those come out and everything. But I don't know. I just, I just love being enamored with these universes yeah, yeah. and these type of characters. And, and I, I, I never wanted to end. Have you, have you read any of the, the, the sort of, um, Warhammer 40k or, or Warhammer 30 the, the Black Library books at all? You know, no, no, I haven't. I haven't really gotten into into Warhammer too much, and it's just been it's just because of my preference. Like, I can it, it. All right, this is gonna sound really petty and everything because it is very petty of, of me. But I love the Total War series, the yeah. Total War video game series, the history ones, and I'm so disinterested in, in Hammer that when they decided to make Warhammer Total War games instead of Empire Two oh, or Napoleon yes. Yes. or whatever, yeah. like like that, it infuriates and makes my blood boil. Like to see a Total War Warhammer Three come out and not a Total War Empire yeah. Two come out makes yeah. me just go, "Why, why, guys? <laughs> I, come on, I, I, I love, need more muscles in my life." I love the I love the Total War games. I'm a massive like I've had them from Shogun Total War. I've had every single one. The history ones are my favorite. Um, the Total War ones because I'm they're the fantasy ones. They're they're all right. The the recent, most recent one I I haven't got a lot of interest in because I like the Empire and they're not in it and stuff. So I've just not bothered with it really, but. Yeah, yeah. you know the i i understand that but the thing is the the warhammer 40k isn't fantasy it's basically sci-fi superhuman super soldiers like grim dark so it's basically fantasy Wonder. in space with like super soldiers uh and there's a and lot heroes. of heroes heroes and there's but there's a series in it within it called gaunt's ghosts and um, basically oh, yeah. gaunt's ghosts is um so you've basically got this world of um demons and you know massive sort of kind of war machines and uh super soldiers who have like two hearts and you know can take all kinds of damage and stuff with the wearing armor and have bolt guns and stuff like that and then you've got these guys who are imperial guard you're just humans and it's sort of like their it's their story you know going through the trenches and stuff like that it's very similar in that you know it they're in the in the in the sort of forty k world, the Imperial Guard are very expendable and stuff. But it's this, it's just, it's a story about these expendable soldiers sort of going through this sort Ooh. of very harsh sort of um, world. Are they the last chances or something? Yeah, the last chances, I think. Yeah. So I've yeah, not I read. I need to give it a chance. I need to give it a chance. It's it's like, very unjustified honest, honestly, how, I, man, how I say I don't like. It. Honestly, they if you want to if like 
seriously, books wise, if you want some good mm-hmm. gritty sci-fi, now the Horace Heresy Horace Heresy series of books, there's lots of them. There's like basically fifty six of them, and there's another ten for the Siege of Terror, which is basically the big event that happens in the forty k. Basically, the Earth is basically put under siege. The and you know chaos are trying to get it blah 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 but the books are there's so many really really gritty books um each legion has specific sort of kind of books that sort of kind of relate to them but there's key books that sort of move the story on and they are so some of them are just so so good like you just cannot like write any better got some amazing writers and it's just like you know like i i like the a legion called the space wolves um and they've got uh, a book called Prospero Burns, and it's basically about how they are tricked. Their their Primarch, who's their main sort of progenitor, is tricked by his brother Horace, who's the arch traitor, to basically destroy this planet uh, on his behalf because he says that Magnus is basically turned traitor, which he hadn't. And so it's like there's this sort totally. of edge to it, and it's just you know, it's so good. Like you should, you know, I, I'd I'd have to give you a list because you, you're not going to read through fifty six books, yeah. but there's specific ones that can move you through the story as it goes, and they are so so good. Another one, there's like it's a short story, but I just love it, and it's basically space wolves are uh, they're on this planet. Um, there's basically there there there's a pack of them. Um, they're trying to help some local. Uh, some of the local uh, people from uh, taking out some dark Eldar raiders who have come come in and are basically uh, making slaves. Space raiders. Yeah, space raiders coming in. They're basically taking, making slaves of them. So the, the space wolves help uh, these um, these humans from to sort of, you know, prevent this and, and get rid of the dark Eldar menace. But the thing is, they're also there to basically bring this planet back into compliance with the Empire. And basically the whole thing about it is you either come back to the Empire or we, you know, we you make you come back into the Empire. And there's this whole thing where they have this sort of, they help these people, they they sort of, um, they help them, they sort of uh, have these really good moments in it. And then at the very end, um, they basically sort of, the, the Space Wolf, I can't remember his name, he basically says, you know, so um, you'll be joining, uh, you'll be coming back to the, you know, be coming back to the Imperium. And they, the the main sort of kind of guy, and it's just like, well, well, no, because we want to be free. We don't want to be under yeah. under this. And he kills him. The space will just kills him. Like after the whole story, they've been doing this together, and he just kills him. And it's just like, well, that's just not how it works. And it's just, it's just that they're single minded. That they are sort of good guys in inverted commas, but in the end, you're coming back to the Imperium one way or the other. So he fucking kills him. Yeah. And I was just like, loved it. I was just like, that's such a good story, man. So you should definitely. It's, 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 yeah, you should give it a go. Give it a go. There is the running joke about forty k, isn't there? That when kids get into it, their parents come in and say to the staff in the shops, "So, who are the good guys?" And the staff member just goes, uh. Uh, <laughs> "Yeah, they're not. They're all, there's a lot of edge. You know, just not sort of. There's no real good guys, is there? The toy, I guess, but even they are a bit sort of like. Mm. Oh no, even then they have their own their own thing. Yeah, I help to run a war gaming club, so sometimes you'll get the kids come in with their parents that have been bought it for Christmas or they want to get into it and they'll say to you something like that. So, um, which army should they play? Well, there's a lot of different armies. Well, we don't like that one because like, they do drugs. Well, yeah, okay. We don't like them because this, we don't like that. You're gonna pack, you just need to pick the one you dislike the least then. Because they will all have something you don't like, my dear. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, again, going off on a tangent. Um, right, so yeah. before we end, uh, we had said basically at the start that we've got this new section that we're going to try and do uh, where we guess uh, it's a, a, a podcast, a wrestling podcast called um, Straight Shot or Straight Shoot. Uh, and they do this thing with wrestlers, but I thought we would do it with um, different nerdy franchises. So the rules are you've got to choose a uh, a franchise. You've got to tell us what that franchise is. And then you've got to think of a character. And we have got 60 seconds to guess who the person you are thinking of. Now, it has to be somebody we can actually potentially guess. Um, <laughs> so you have to tell us what the franchise is. Uh, so, uh, and then we can go from there. So, what? What is it? What's the franchise? Let's go with Harry Potter. Do you guys know that? I'm out, guys. I've never actually read or yeah. watched a Harry Potter film or book. I know about it by by in, by sort of inferral, but I've never actually sat down and read the, read a book or watched a film. Yeah. Okay, um, I'll do it. Wait, 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 let me, wait, 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 Ooh. Uh, okay. Uh, are there people or a teacher? What was that? Sorry. A uh, people or a teacher? Uh, people. Pupil. So people. Pupil. A, yeah. a student. Oh. 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 Uh, ooh. Uh, they they were a pupil. Um. Yeah. They were. Male or female? Male. Male pupil um, in Hogwarts? Were they in, in Slytherin? No. Are they older than Harry? Yes. Uh, within Gryffindor? Yes. Oh, okay. Um... Okay, that's it. So, right, so one more question. Uh, one more question, and then oh. we've got a guess. Um... Okay. okay, my my Harry Potter knowledge right. is pretty bad. Were they on the Marauders map? Yes. Right. Um, is James Potter? No. Oh, <sighs> I don't know, Close. man. I, I don't. I don't know. Got Alistair. Oh. Alistair on the in the comments says caretaker guy? Question <laughs> mark. Oh, all right. I, I, I will say this: close to James Potter. Serious Black. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Who was it? Sorry. Yeah. Serious Black. Serious Black. Okay, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. My Harry Potter knowledge is pretty one, pretty slim. I have this wand tattooed on my oh, arm. No, right. no way. I went to I went to Harry Potter land when I was in Florida because my my my, my oh, nice. kid was there and I've got the wand Harry Potter's wand you go around and you sort of do the things which is pretty cool it was pretty yeah cool. yeah yeah um all I right love that place. I I will do mine then um okay. I will do mine uh, it is um Star Wars uh Star Wars sixty seconds 
go. Original trilogy? Nope. Rogue One? Yes. <laughs> okay, Rebels? so, thir- so third, third Rebels, one, okay. yes. Do can they fly an X-wing very well? Uh no. Male or female? Male. Female. Jinerso? Ah yes. All right. Fine. Yes. Jinerso. Hey! It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was going, I was going to go a bit more sort of deep, but I was like, yeah, I'll go for that, just because. Rogue One's the best Star Wars film. (laughs) 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 Fucking love Rogue One. I will agree with that. Rogue One is awesome. So good. So good. All right, Mark, your go. Okay, so Marvel character. Right, okay, so Marvel character, 60 seconds, go. Um, Male or female? Male. Uh, Part of the Avengers? I think they have been. Do they have a film? No. Oh. So they're they've not, never had a film. They've never had a film. No. They have a TV series. Nope. Are they in a TV series? Nope. Are they in a film? No. Fuck me. Uh, pars. Do they have pars? Yes. Do they live on Earth? Yes. Marvel. Meal, live on Earth, no film, no TV. Um, no. Did you say they have powers? Are they mutant? They have powers. Are they a mutant? Sorry? Are they a mutant? They're not. Right. Are their powers genetic or technology? As in, do, do they... They're magic. Okay. Magic. Uh, okay, right. So final question each. Um, is this person British? Yes. Is it Captain Britain? Yes. Yes! Oh! Get in! Yes! As soon as he said I was magic. Gonna, I, was gonna, I was gonna say Black Bolt, but then yeah, you said British. So yeah, I, so oh, I, I was... Yeah, okay, because there's, 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 they might actually do a Captain Britain at some point They're in time. They're talking that, about it, yeah. Yeah, that could be interesting. Not yet. Yeah. Well, okay, That'd right. Cool. Yes! Get in! Nice Ooh, one, all right. Maybe they'll have Maybe they'll have uh, Captain Britain in uh, the Multiverse of Madness, so the, I, new, the new well, Doctor so, Strange. So they've got, I think they're going to have a live action uh, Captain Carter, because they've got that shield with the mm. Union Jack on it, don't they? From yeah. So they might have oh, a live God. action version of that. In the latest time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, okay, Pete, your go. Okay, it's in The Expanse. Again? Okay, right. So, The Expanse, 60 seconds, go. Okay, uh, part of the UN? No. Mars? No. Belter? Yes. Did they, did they call the Rosinante home? No. Um, are they, they male or female? Male or female? Uh, female. Has she been on the Rosinante? Briefly. Kamia, or uh, uh, Kamia, right? Kamina. What's her name? Kamina. Kamina. Oh, get yeah, in drummer. there. 30 seconds. Get in. Nice. Very nice. You know, well done, sir. <laughs> you do know your experience. I, I love her character so she much because she, I don't feel that she properly gets the, the love that she deserves in the book series. 
And yeah. so the way that they've kind of taken her character for the television series and expanded upon that uh, has just been phenomenal. Yeah, I love that character. Yeah, no spoilers. Shame. I haven't finished the season yeah, yet. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a shame there's only like six episodes in the last season and stuff. But they is there only six episodes in that last yeah. season? There's only six That's episodes, it. man. Yeah, it's a, it's so heartbreaking because it's so, and I love that. The thing is, like, I, I've said this before, but when it first came out, I had no idea about the RPGs or the books or anything, and I just saw this thing called the Expanse that was on Sci-Fi, and it's like, oh man, it's on Sci-Fi. It's gonna be naff. It's gonna be naff. I'm not gonna watch this. And then people kept on telling me to watch it. I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to bother. It's like you, when you were like, you know, like the 40 K stuff, you're like, I'm not going to do it out of principle and stuff. I'm not going to do this out of principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was bored and I went, fuck it. It's on Amazon. I'll give it. And I've never, I've just went, oh my God, this is possibly the best sci-fi I've ever watched. Like, it's so, it's so good. It's awesome. so good. And it's just the small things that just, you know, it's the, it's the science that they use behind it and stuff, you know, to the, the way the sort of the drive works, the way they sort of, they literally reverse when they come to planets and stuff because of inertia, things I like that. Love it. love it. I love it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's, it, it's awesome. Especially the space battles. The space battles are so like, it, it, it they're yeah. completely different from anything that you see in Star Trek or Star Wars or anything else basically even halo yeah it, yeah. it does not do space combat correctly they do it the sci-fi way but yeah the expanse it's it's a hundred percent like uses real physics into into consideration it's yeah. awesome yeah, i wrote an article um last year about the uh science of um the space but yeah it's one of the most realistic ones i've seen i've heard uh rumors i don't know how accurate this is but apparently uh nasa quite a lot of people at nasa are massive fans of the expanse and they would watch episodes of The Expanse at Mission Control. <laughs> I would too on the, on the big screens in yeah, there. I would too. Awesome. Yeah. They would just sit there and watch it in, but in Mission Control. I'm thinking, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, but like, um, yeah, it's like the, the science behind it is spot on. There's no shields. There's no kind of yeah. like defense, you know, defensive screens. It's just <laughs> lots of armor plating. And when you see bullets go through, because they oh, yeah. they watch the trails go through and the little puffs of dust as everything starts to decompress and things like that. Yeah, that's so that's the characters yeah. are amazing. It's just sort of I love it. You know, I was re- I was just sort of like it, they rush it slightly, I think, towards the end. Yeah. But Very um, much so. it, it it is still good. It wasn't a bad yeah. ending. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just sort of rushed. I think. Yeah. As I best think as this is something that they were going to bring up. Uh, I think that they're going to bring up like they're going to do a movie afterwards, or or they're going to do like there three movies afterwards for that Laconia arc about it. And it does leave the ending does leave it open for continuation, but nothing okay. has been concrete. It, I, also, yeah. they might be trying to like they they might be trying to yeah yeah money for sure, but like <laughs> but I think they're also trying to wait for them to the actors to naturally age because. By the time the Laconia trilogy comes around, like it is, like 20 years. It, it, 20 a years. lot of time has passed. A lot of time, and so they might be waiting for that too. Who knows? Yeah, and also, and also, it's different characters, isn't it, in the later books? Yeah, a lot, a lot of different characters. That'd be oh man, what if what if it takes so long for them to make it because they're waiting for them to age that, but <laughs> they start filming it in space? <laughs> you know, well, there, yeah. there is kind of you know constant Hollywood reports that apparently um a tom cruise film i think is going to be filmed in space actually filmed in space if anybody was going to do something as crazy as that it would be tom cruise like wouldn't it 
Yeah, point. yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. 100%. For my next film, I'm going to do a stunt outside the space shuttle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's such a crazy bastard. Okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Bro. It's not just about being crazy. It's about being able to convince them to spend their money on it. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we're going to have to call us there because I, I feel like we could yeah. probably carry on for another hour or so, but I think we're getting quite late for us. But, um, it's been an absolute Sorry. pleasure, man. Like uh, your enthusiasm is infectious, uh, and it, and it's it's amazing to see. Um, and um, I'll I'll get a copy of the book. You um, definitely have a, a good read, and um, yep. good luck Thanks. with it. I really hope uh that it goes Thanks. it goes well for you, and you get some really good reviews, and um, you go from strength to strength because, you know, I wouldn't I would hate to see that that frown. I mean, so that smile turn into a frown because it's just like that sort yeah. of that that love and passion is just amazing. More yeah. people need to have it. Well, I've got to do a review here anyway, so really I'm going to make sure we have one up on the site. I'll send you the link. Okay. Oh, cool. That, yeah, that'd be awesome. I would, I would, I would love it. Yeah, this has been unbelievable. This has been really fun, guys. I, yeah. I haven't. I mean, I haven't. I don't. <laughs> I don't have a, a scale because I, this is like my first interview I've ever done. But this is. It's going to be hard to beat. This yeah. has been really, really fun. I've had a great time. Well, you're you're real. more than welcome to come back uh, whenever you want uh, to to have a chit chat and stuff. Or if, again, whenever your sort of the next book comes out, by all means, please come back and uh, we can talk That'd about cool. um, reviews and yeah. and sort of how what's going on next. Um, it would be our pleasure. Uh, so uh, Cherubim's Call is out tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow uh, it goes live at, at midnight tonight, wherever you are. But May 3rd, 2022, it will be live on Amazon. And you can get it on uh, Kindle version. Uh, there will also be paperback and hardcover available as well buy on there. And then also in June, the Audible version will come out. It will be on uh, audiobook. Uh, Jeffrey Kafer is doing the narration uh, with Podium. So Podium is going to be producing it. So, yeah. We'll have all the different outlets that you can possibly have. Oh, brilliant! I'm I'm so glad you said the uh, the audible version because I love my own books and yeah. stuff. So, uh, yeah, okay, cool, awesome. Yeah. I'll I'll give that a whirl. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, really enjoyed uh enjoyed tonight. Um, and uh, all the best. So uh, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. With me has been Peter Allison. Good night, everyone. Mark Canty. Buy the book. You know you want to. <laughs> and Ted Manning. Please buy the book. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye.